Our staff meets on uh, Tuesdays, and there's 33 of us part-time and full-time, and there's 17 uh, high school interns, and there's probably four or five college interns. So at Tuesdays at 9 a.m., it's a packed house. And this past Tuesday, I asked our staff two different questions. The first question was this, what non-family member, so not a mom or dad or brother or sister or grandparent, but what non-family member has really helped you in life accomplish the God-given goals and dreams that the Heavenly Father has placed within you? Who outside of your family has come alongside of you and helped you accomplish the goals that God has for you? And so an intern would get with a staff member, you would try to find somebody that you don't know very well, and you would sit down so that you could talk a little bit together and get to know. So they answered that question, both of them, five or six minutes. And the second question was this, what, non-fa- what non-family member has really tried to derail you, has tempted you? Maybe they succeeded, maybe, maybe they didn't, but what non-family member has come alongside of you and has tried to distract you? from accomplishing the God-given goals that you know your Heavenly Father had within you. And it was quite amazing to listen to the responses of both questions, and, and the staff got into it, and we talked about it. If I ask you the same question, what non-family member has come alongside of you and has really aided you and assisted you in accomplishing the dreams that God has placed within your heart? And what non-family member has also tried to derail God's plans for you? Think about the answer to those two questions. I want to show you some verses about from several different books of the Bible right now on how God feels about your associations and why associations are such a big deal to God and such a big deal to your future. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple different verses here. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare. That's a big word. Circle that word in your mind. They will be a snare among you. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sodomites, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, that's never a good word, is it, when God tells you to do something? Nevertheless, I'm not going to listen to you. You ever done that to your parents? Nevertheless, mom and dad, I don't care what you say. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and we'll leave all that alone for another day. And his wives led him, what? Astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly be destroyed. They've taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the peoples around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. When I heard this, I tore my tunic and my cloak and I pulled hair from my head. For some of you, that would not be a really good idea. 
and my beard. And I sat down appalled. Moreover, in those days, I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and I called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and I pulled out their hair. I made them take an oath in God's name and I said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. One more verse. You still with me? One more. All right. This comes from the New Testament. This is from the Apostle Paul. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Say that with me. Bad company corrupts good morals. Maybe with a little more enthusiasm. Here we go. Ready? Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, it's obvious that God is highly concerned about your associations. Um, We didn't go to church when I was a little boy. We kind of played church. We went Mother's Day and Christmas and Easter and a few times. But when I was 14 years old, a Speedway Indiana police officer invited my dad to a Campus Crusade for Christ Bible study, and my parents went. And this neighborhood Bible study with Campus Crusade changed everything, changed the entire trajectory of our family's life. And so um, I, I, I remember the preacher, I'm 14 years old, explaining the gospel. I don't know what the gospel is. I never heard the gospel. But I remember hearing the gospel about there's this wide road, and it leads to destruction, and a lot of people follow it. And there's a narrow road, and very few people are on it, but it leads to heaven. It leads to God. And I remember at age 14 thinking to myself, hell or heaven? It was kind of a no-brainer, really. Hell or, or heaven? And I remember I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to get baptized. I'm going to choose to give my life to Christ. Now, I probably didn't give my life to Jesus for all the right reasons. I just didn't want to go to hell. I was fairly, very concerned about hell and the heat. I didn't like saunas. And so I thought to myself, you know, if I don't like saunas, think about how hot hell's going to be. And I remember making that very conscious decision. So I'm now a brand new Christian. My dad and I got baptized the same day. He's 40. I'm 14. And now I am on fire for Christ. You know how when you, you start off and you're going to tell everybody, turn or burn, repent, you know, or whatever. So I had all the right heart, but I did it in all the wrong ways, like I teach you today not to do it. I did all these things by, you know, I've taught you because I've made these mistakes. And so I've got four other friends on the basketball team. There's five of us, the starting five, and we had a great team. We went 30 and 2 that year. We won, almost, we won every tournament, and we only dropped two regular season games. And so those four other guys, I shared with them, hell is hot. Do you think Asana's hot? You ought to step into hell, you know. And, and I told them about the wide road and the narrow road. They could care less. They had no interest whatsoever in my little speech. And they shunned me. And for the first time in my life, I felt loneliness. Now, we're all alone, and that didn't bother me, but I'd never felt loneliness. And so I'm alone. Finished the season. My parents, you know, are asking me to go to church. Why don't you go to the youth group? Now, we went to church on Sunday mornings, but I wasn't involved in anything else. 
And so, I, you know how you make up excuses like, like you know, there are going to be nerds or there are a bunch of geeks there, you know, those kids, I don't know them, I'm sure I'm not going to like them. You know how you always talk, you try to talk yourself out of something because you're afraid? It's really a new experience. And so I went, and the first night of the youth group at our church, I had two relationships that forever changed my life. The first was Bob White. Bob White was 42 years old. He was a Marine, and he was a stud. He was jacked. I loved Bob White. Bob White and I became very good friends, and we would go running together. I'll never forget the time. It's five degrees below zero in the month of February in Indiana, and Bob White calls me up and says, hey, I'll be at your house in five minutes. I said, what for? He said, we're going to go run. I said, not today. I said, Bob, it's five degrees below zero. He said, the problem is... Are you a sissy, Parker? I'll be at your house in five minutes. We ran six miles in five degree below zero weather. That's not the worst part. The worst part is every mile we would stop and do 50 push-ups. Now, here are two guys in the frozen tundra doing push-ups on a sidewalk. I'm surprised we didn't get arrested or something. But I didn't realize it. Bob was pouring into me. Bob was one of those non-family members who'd come alongside of me, and he would ask questions. And like a great mentor, he would listen. He didn't do all the talking. Um, that same night at the youth group, I met David Hunt, a kid my age. David and I have been friends for 42 years. And I married David and Teresa 27 years ago. He's got a great son, a great, great daughter. David and I, he's a CPA in downtown Indy. We still talk long distance over the phone every week. We see each other three or four times a year. That night forever changed my life. We were on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and Ethan wanted to pick up a couple surfboards, and his roommate from college was actually pretty close to where we were. And so we get in the car and we drive to um, Watsonville. Now, if you look at the little blueberries and strawberries in Publix, it says Watsonville on the little package. That's them. They're the farmers that grow the strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries. They're the farmers that actually create the plants that sell to the farmers who then, you know, produce it and we, and we buy it. So I, I hadn't seen Brandon in probably six months. And I see Brandon. He's now, I don't know, 27, 28 years old. And I meet his girlfriend. And he says to me, what do you think? I said, about what? He said, well, about her. I said, well, she's, she's really hot. I said, is she blind? I mean, she's with you, you know. What's, what's you know. And, and, and he said, no, no, no. He said, he said, he said I think she's the one. I said, oh, good. He said, do you think she's the one? Brandon, I, I've, I've talked to her for six minutes. I, I don't know if she's the one or not after six minutes. He said, I, I think she's the one. I said, well, let me ask you this question. Does she make you a better man? And do you make her a better woman? Are you able to help her accomplish the God-given dreams and desires that the Heavenly Father's placed within her? Is she able to help you with what God has placed within you? He thought for a minute and he said, yeah, she does. I do. I said, well, then she's the one. Brandon, I don't know. Go for it. I don't care. You know, go, go for it, bro. Dave Ramsey, a little provocative financial guru, but Dave Ramsey says this. Not everybody's going to like the quote, but think about the quote. Dave Ramsey says, you know, if you want to be smart, you hang around smart people. If you want to be thin, you hang around thin people. If you want to be rich, you hang around rich people. 
if you want to be moral, you hang around godly people. Now, what's the point of that? Our friendships, our associations, and everybody in the room knows this. You know the people in your life who help you, and you know the people in your life who distract you, who are about to derail you. And so this is a message to help you make some decisions. This is not going to affect, you know, your salvation if you're already a Christian, but it certainly can help you live the heavenly life that God has called you to. And so here's the passage of Scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we've got to remember that the Christian community is very, very small in Corinth. I'm guessing 5 or 6%. I'm guessing a very, very small percentage of people in the city of Corinth are actually within the Christian context. Probably 90 to 95% of people are still going to the temple. They're still worshiping idols. They have no desire to be on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. They're on the wide road that leads to destruction. And so here's what Paul says. Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, most of us in this room are not farmers. There's a few of you that have farmed, but you're probably not a farmer today. And this word yoked, we've seen it. Maybe you've been to Amish country and you've seen a couple of horses like with this apparatus yoked together. But the point is there was an Old Testament law that said, do not yoke together an ox and a donkey. And the reason is your field's going to be messed up. The ox and the donkey do not play nicely in the sandbox together. They don't get along. And they're not going to plow your field properly. They're just going to be zigzagged and it won't be deep enough. And, and so here's his, here's his word picture that not all of us get. He says right off the bat, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, why? He's not saying that you're not going to be around unbelievers. He's not saying you're not going to work with unbelievers. He's not saying that you're not going to have unbelievers in your neighborhood or your apartment complex or your house. He's saying, why would you become so close and so intimate with somebody who doesn't share the values of the Christian narrative? The Christian narrative changed everything. The Christian narrative changed how people thought about money how people thought about marriage. Men in this culture did not treat women well, but the Christian narrative raised the role of women. The Christian narrative raised the role of children. Everything within this Christian narrative changed and elevated the role of people. And so Paul is saying, why would you marry somebody who's outside the Christian narrative? Well, you, you can, but, but, but why, why would you? Why would you go into business why would your primary partner or partners be people who are outside the Christian narrative? Because you see, inside the Christian narrative, there's a way to think about women, about children, about marriage, about money, about generosity, about work, about how to treat people outside the Christian. And so he's saying, why in the world would you be yoked together with somebody who doesn't share the values that you have Consequently, it thwarts your ability to accomplish the goals that are deeply placed within you. And so here's a little tagline that goes, unequally yoked is to be connected with an unfitting associate. This will not help you accomplish your goals. Now, you can do whatever you want to. You're an American. You can do what you want to do. But this is a message that's meant to help you with unnecessary pain and unnecessary problems. Unequally yoked is to be connected with an unfitting associate. So, here's the whole verse. 
do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And the answer is, is, is nothing. People outside the Christian context have a different way of viewing people, possessions, things, everything. Or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? And, and the answer, of course, is, is, is they don't. Now, I've said this for years. If you're new this morning, this is so true. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. If you tell me who your best two or three people are, your inner circle, you, tell, you describe them, you define them, I can tell you where you're going to be in the future. If, if they're healthy, and they're strong, and they're moral, and they've got character, it's going to, it's going to build your character. It's going to build. If, if they don't, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Because we know this. People influence us. Marketers know this. Marketing's been doing this for years. If they can get in your head, they may have a sale. If they can get in your heart, they got you. Game over. Lights out. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Here's the next verse. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is just an Old Testament term used very sporadically about Lucifer or Satan. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And again, there's a little bit more commonality today than there was in that culture. In that culture, women and children were discardable. You have to understand the difference between our culture today and their culture in that environment. But it was really a big, big deal then, and it is in your life as well today. Or what agreement is there between the temple of, I, of God and idols? For we are the living temple of God. So again, most people outside the Christian context went to the temple and worshiped all kinds of idols. There was an idol for everything. An idol for fertility. There was an idol for the sun. There was an idol for the moon. There was an idol to get rid of drought. There was an idol to have rain. There was an idol for crops. There was an idol for health. You name it, and the temples in these cities had massive um, idol, idol worship. And what he's saying here is, is now the temple of God in the Christian context lives within you. So if the temple of God, the Holy Spirit lives within you, how does that connect with people who are going to the temple? And he goes, it, it, just, it just doesn't. I will live among them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. This was God's dream. And this is why associations are a big deal to God. It's God's dream that you and I walk with him, that you and I live with him. It's God's passion that we have this incredible relationship with him. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and and I will receive you. And so therefore, he said, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons, and you will be my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And he's talking about the word sanctification, big word, 50 cent word, which means to be set apart, which means to be separate. So I thought about this this past week. There's a big difference between the plates that you use every night Think about the dinner plates that you pull out every single night. The dinner plates you pull out at night probably have scratches on them. Yeah? Any any of you have chips in the plates at home? Maybe cracks, okay? The dinner plates at home that you use every night, you pull out, and you just kind of, you just handle them rough, and you wash them quickly, and if it falls, okay, too bad. But, you know, compare that to the china. 
Compare that to the china that's in the china cabinet that maybe Aunt Rose gave you. And Aunt Rose has been dead for like 7,000 years or whatever, you know. But, but are you got it from your Grandma Smith or somebody? The china, what do you do with the china? You handle the china with care. And you're very careful how you grab that china. And you're very careful how you place it on the table. And you don't do this every night. I mean, if you've got like, like five or six you know, like little boys coming over you know, like for a party, you don't pull out the china, right? You get a helmet and gloves and a hose or whatever. But there's a difference between the dinner plates and the china. And God is saying to you, I want you to be fine china. I want you to carefully handle my values, my role, my ideals, my scriptures, my life that I've placed within you. I want you to be set apart and be so careful. I want you to be careful who you marry. I want you to be careful with your friendships. I want you to be careful who you go into business with because it will greatly, greatly impact your life. And then God will be with you. And you make these decisions and you're sanctified, God will bless your business, your life, and love. And that's what everybody wants. Everybody in the room wants all three of these. We want God to bless our business. We want him to bless our life. And we want him to bless, bless any loving relationships that we're having with him. God will be with us. Business, life, and with love. Now, he talked about separating yourselves from the sins of the body. And we always talk about that. I want to talk about something different, but I'm going to mention it. We always talk about the sins of the body as if those are like the most obvious, and they are the most obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We, we get this. We understand this. But the sins of the soul are different. And the question is, do you have friends in your life who help you with these things? Now, let's talk about this for a couple minutes. If, you, if you're around somebody who's fearful, fear is contagious. Do you, do you agree with that? Somebody's fearful, fear is contagious. I used to have some friends that made coffee nervous. I no longer have those friends. They're just fearful, just fearful all the time. But, but you, fear is contagious, but so is faith. And when you're around people who have faith, faith is contagious. Faith is like, I can scale a mountain. I can scale a wall. And and so again, it's it's a choice. Do you want to be around people who are fearful as your close inner circle, or do you want to be around people who have faith? Same thing with greed and generosity. People who are greedy talk about money, think about money, 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 all the time about money. Do you want to? Because that's going to make you greedy. You hang around greedy people, you become greedy. Or do you want to be around people that are generous? Generous people, on the other hand, generous people help people and want to make a difference in people's lives. Do you want to be around people who are just critical? Or do you want to be around people who have hope? And again, this is what some of the sins of the soul or take place. And so if I were you, I wouldn't have people in my inner circle who were bitter. I wouldn't have people in my inner circle who are very critical. I I would never have a person who's mocking something or somebody in my inner circle. Somebody filled with hate, somebody filled with pride, self-righteousness, or self-focus. Bob White died of colon cancer about 10 years ago. Loved that man. 
continue to support me, encourage me. David Hunt, I told you I talk to every week on the phone. I got another, another farmer friend in Indiana named Lloyd Long. I've been a farmer, and his family are farmers. He and I talk on the phone, text each other, text me scripture this past week. I've got about five or six men in this church, five or six men in my inner circle. They love Jesus. They love their wives. If I began to color outside the lines any way, shape, or form, they would call me out in a New York minute. Do you have the people in your life who will help you to accomplish the God-given dreams and the God-given purposes that he's placed inside of you. Now, again, this is for you today because there is great hope and great potential within you. And he's saying this. It's like, well, you can marry somebody who's not a Christian, but why would you? Why would you ever date somebody who doesn't share the values in the Christian context that, that you have. One of the most exciting things that Danita and I do together is on Sunday afternoons. On Sunday afternoons, I come home from church. I don't get home to about quarter till two. We eat something quickly, and I am exhausted. I take a 12-minute nap, and I am so tired. I wake up. It's, I don't know where I am, and usually I don't even know who I am, okay, at that point. And I wake up, and then we kind of get our get going a little bit, like a diesel engine, and kind of get cranking back up. And by 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we talk about you. And we talk about how exciting it is to see you grow and how exciting it is to see the Spirit of God work in your life, transform you, change you, and, and create. It, it's, it, I mean, we share that together. Together, we're excited to talk about how God is working in you. And, and without a doubt, the coolest thing that we get to do are the beach baptisms. And she goes out in the water with me, and she loves water, and we're out there baptizing people together. That is the coolest. I, I can't imagine not sharing that Christian narrative with the person that I'm having a one flesh relationship with. Now, you can do it. And that person may say, go to church. I'm going to take the kids to Disney. That person may not keep you from coming to church. But, but, but why would you? Why would you ever go into business with somebody who doesn't value work, women, children, ethics, money? Why would you ever go into business with somebody who's not lockstep with you on the Christian narrative? Why would you ever have anybody in your life who's, who's over here? It, it just it isn't going to go well for you. And so we, we ask ourselves this question, where do I want to be spiritually in a year from now? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So think about this. Who do you have in your life today? I really need to be a little less influenced by her. She really has my ear a little bit too much. I, I really need to be a little less influenced by him. He has a little more influence in my life, and he's outside the, the, the values that I, that I espouse. But here's the good one. I need to be influenced more by, and, and these are the people that help you. Nobody's perfect. My five or six guys that I'm tight with, they're far from perfect. 
Two of them are in the room right now. Two or three of them are. But they love Jesus. And they love their spouses. And they're all in with children. And they want to know what can they do to make the church stronger and and better. Who in your life do you need to kind of get a little bit more influenced with and influenced by? Well, um, I want to tell you a story about King Manasseh and King Josiah. King Manasseh was the meanest, evilest king in all of history, in the, in the land of Judah, in the land of Israel. And King Manasseh decided to just destroy every value that the Scriptures talk about. If the Bible talked about it, he went the opposite way. He even sacrificed his own son to the fire god, Molech. He put up altars of Asherah and Baal inside the temple proper, inside the temple courts. This king was awful. Now, his grandson, however, was named Josiah. And Josiah became a reformer. And as you read through the story, you realize that King Manasseh surrounded himself with evil people because he wanted to be evil. And King Josiah surrounded himself with good people, with people who wanted to follow the law and and, and, and help the land to be what God had called it to be. Who you associate with will absolutely impact your present and will impact your future. Listen to Josiah. He was a reformer. Listen to the passion of this amazing king and how he did this when his grandfather was evil and Josiah took a stand. King Josiah stood by the pillar and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his command, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant that were written. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. He led them back to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah. These were idols, false gods. And all the starry hosts. Manasseh led them to worship the stars as if the stars are going to help them. He burned them out, Josiah burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley, and he took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests, and he appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. In other words, he got rid of all the people who were burning incense in all the wrong places in all the wrong way. Those who burn incense to Baal, to the sun, the moon, to the constellations, and to all the starry hosts, he took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, and he burned it. He ground it to powder. He scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes. In that culture, there were male prostitutes. In that culture, there were female prostitutes. In that culture, the women had male prostitutes, and the men had female prostitutes, and they had males to males and females to females. It was a mess. That's why when I hear people talk about how sexually immoral America is today, I'm not saying it's good. It was five times worse in that culture. Josiah took a stand. Josiah became a reformer for his land, for his nation, for his family. What about you? Is it time for you to become a reformer? Is it time for you to take a stand for morality? Is it time for you to take a stand for truth and righteousness? Believe something and give your life to something that's valuable and that counts? Josiah brought all the priests from the town of Judah and desecrated the high places, from Gibeah to Beersheba where the priests had burned incense. In other words, I'm taking them down. 
He broke down the gateway at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city governor, which was on the left of the city gate. Although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. In other words, they weren't supposed to do that. They didn't care. He desecrated Tapath, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnon, so that no one could use it to sacrifice their son or their daughter in the fire god to Molech. God who wants children, God who wants babies, God who has the time before Jesus comes again to populate heaven is so angry and so upset that these people, the, the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, were sacrificing their, usually their firstborn to the fire god Molech. He removed from the entrance of the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. Idolatry. Manasseh to grandson Josiah, a reformer. They were in the court near the room of the official named Nathan Melech, and Josiah then burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. This is why he says this. Back to our passage today. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Let's come back to our two questions. I want you to think about this. Is there somebody in your life who's tempting you? Is there somebody in your life who's feeding you the wrong information? Is there somebody in your life that really doesn't have your best interest in mind? That's why Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I've heard this all my life. Well, preacher, I got these friends, and, and I'm not going to do crack cocaine. They do crack, but I'm not going to do crack, and, 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 I, and I'm not going to you know, get drunk. They get, but I'm not going to do it, and they're not good with this. Here's the problem. The problem's not that you're going to start doing those things. You're probably right. You're probably right. You're probably not going to start doing those things. The problem is not that you're going to start doing that. The problem is you're going to blow up with the shrapnel. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Why will you suffer harm? If they don't care about their marriage, they're not going to care about yours. If they don't care about their money, they're not going to care about yours. If they don't care about their children, they're not going to care about yours. If they don't care about their health, they're not going to care about yours. You get blown up with the shrapnel because you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. So who in your life? And then what if we put some of those people around? Not perfect people. We're, we're all so imperfect. But people who are leaning in. Leaning in to truth, to righteousness. Can't live it all yet, but I'm leaning that direction. I'm not there yet as a prayer or a scripture or a Bible study or a connector, but, but I'm, I'm moving that direction. I'm not there yet but I put the people around me who help me get there and it changes everything in your life. Well, the first step is always to give your life to Jesus Christ. No question about that. That's step one because he will change your life. He will change your body, your spirit, and your soul. But this is a message today to get you to think about the people who deeply impact your life. So I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask all of us to stand up. And today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do so today.
Give your life to Christ. Get on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. Today, if you're struggling with some people in your life that you need to somehow figure out how to kind of push them back a little bit, come down for prayer and ask our prayer partners to pray for you and pray with you and pray over you. And maybe you don't have anybody in your life. Maybe you don't have anybody in your life who's really ahead of you spiritually. Not that you're all that far down, but you just... So come down front today and ask these folks to pray with you, to pray for you, and to give you help. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. I love this Josiah. What a reformer. He pumps me up. Give us courage, give us vision, and give us wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.